even through the winter, it was an amazing, um, it was amazing time for us to come together as in a meeting and actually talk about what this series would look like. And kind of the, the way that it all started was when um, we were kind of said, you can actually preach about whatever you'd like to preach about. And the funny thing is, and this is the way that God tends to work, is that um, he brought three different people together. We sat down in a room and realized that it was actually like a through line um, to what we were talking about. And um, so, yeah, look, I just want to give my warm welcome to you this, um, this evening and, um, and just want to let you know that chances are you have a lot more in common with the person you're sitting next to than you realize. And uh, for those of you sitting next to um, really close friends or family, you know that to be all too true. Um, <laughs> but it's really a privilege that we can gather together and we can do this each week. Like seriously, from the bottom of my heart, there is no place I would rather be on a Sunday than, um, than here at church. Also, really quickly, right in front of you there, or on the seat in front of you, there should be some Bibles there. If you don't have a Bible of your own, that's our free gift to you. Like seriously, take it home and, uh, and use it, um, because we really value God's Word here, and we want you to have access to that if you don't. Um, but feel free as well just to pick it up and use it through the service this evening, if you'd like to do that as well as we kick off here. Um, look, what we're going to do is uh, we're going to start this, uh, this evening by looking at the words of the Apostle Paul. In the morning service at the moment, we're talking about a portrait of Paul. So there's like a lot of great context information and a lot of great information about his story, who the Apostle Paul was. And go check that out on the website or on the podcast or whatever. So I'm not going to spend too much time doing that. But there is one um, passage that we're going to read, and it's going to be up on the screen. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 6 to 10. Um, so you can look that up in the Bible if you want to, uh, or you can read it on the screen behind me. It says this, it says this. So um, I'll give you two sentences worth of context here, just so it's not really random to you. So Paul is a guy who thought he had his life together and he thought he was living the right way. He had an amazing encounter with Jesus Christ and it turned his life around from living what he thought was a pretty good life to his life being about carrying the good news of Jesus to the rest of the world. And he is looking back over his life to this point through all that he has been through. And this is what he says, starting in verse 6. He says, If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth. But I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message, even though I've received such wonderful revelations from God. So, to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. This is full-on stuff. We'll unpack this in just a bit. Three different times I begged to the Lord to take it away, and each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now, I'm glad to boast about my weakness, so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses, in, in the insults, the hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Can you just say that with me right here at the start? For when I am weak, then I am strong. Okay, we're going to come back to that thought in just a minute. But just as we start here, would you pray with me? Lord, we just acknowledge your presence here with us tonight. We acknowledge that you are working. We acknowledge that you are good, that you are full of everything that is good in this world. We just invite you into, the, the, into every inch of our heart tonight. Would you be able to open us up to receive from your word here tonight? We thank you 
for the gift of Jesus Christ. And we pray that we would be able to hear what you have for us this evening. Amen. Amen. Okay, right here at the start, there's this word that I have had um, thrown around in the spheres that I operate in. So for a bit of information, for those of you who don't know, I do work as a teacher and I work as a youth pastor, right? So I'm around young people an awful lot. But there is this word that gets thrown around a lot when we're talking about young people, whether it's in school, whether it's in, uh, in youth ministry. That word is resilience, resilience. And you've probably heard this word before. Um, just to give it a firm definition, resilience is the capacity to quickly recover from difficulty, right? To be able to bounce back or basically it just means toughness. How tough are you? Um, but uh, it also means that it's this attitude that we, and when I say we, I'm saying education circles and in youth working circles, we want to be able to instill this idea of like, you can handle it, you got this, right? That's kind of what we mean when we talk about resilience. The problem is though, and this is like deep down inside me because I see it day in and day out, and I've experienced it a little bit in my own life, but probably maybe not as much as some of you, is that when life really shows up, when things really hit the fan, when the rubber really hits the road, the reality is we don't got it most of the time. We can't handle it. And offering somebody just that, that definition of like, oh, we just want to make our kids really resilient, or we just want to be really resilient people, it breeds this idea in our mind that we can handle it, that we've just got to be able to, you know, just, just grit our teeth and just get through it. But um, the, the point is that I don't think that's going to be enough. For everything that comes at you in life, I don't think that sense of I can handle this is going to be enough to get you through. And I would actually strongly believe that there's actually a space within us that is like a gap where we aren't actually able to be 100% the person that we would want to be in our lives just relying on ourselves. So this series, even through the winter, Metaphorically speaking, winter can be the hard times in life, and we all know what that looks like. For Depending on who you are and what your journey has been so far, uh, hard times can look like a bunch of different things. It can be, it can be related to um, finances, like your job. It can, be to, it can be about relationships. It can be about uh, families breaking down. There can be a bunch of different things that can contribute to you going through a winter season in your life. And, um, you know, if we're being honest, most of the time, these things tend to gang up against us all at the same time. And what started out as one small thing, all of a sudden feels like something that's overwhelming and it can be very, very difficult to get through uh, on your own. And um, so, typically, typically speaking, if you're a decent human being, you like to be able to help other people out through hard times, right? The most available way that we can help people out is usually with our words. Um, and so just in a minute here, I'm going to do a little exercise with you and we'll see, uh, we'll see if you guys have experienced some of this before. But words being the most available encouragement that we have to people that are going through hard times, uh, we, I don't know if you're anything like me, but we often have a list of one-liners in our heads that we use to hand to people as a bit of an encouragement when they're going through something tough, right? Because We've got busy lives, and if we're passing by somebody and we're just stopping to have a conversation with them in the line, I don't know, while we're queuing up outside a church or something like that, hey, how's life going? And that person goes, 
oh, yeah, look, it's, it's not great right now, then we'll go, uh, uh, what can I say in this 30-second block that I have to try and make that person feel better, right? But we want it to be meaningful, and so we bring God into it as well. And Christians, we probably have a bit more reason to try and encourage that person. But the fact remains, one-liners might not be the most helpful thing in the world. So what we're actually going to do, I'm going to get you guys to stand up real quick. Just everybody stand up. And uh, what we're going to do is uh, I'm going to list off some of these one-liners that I've definitely heard. I've even said some of these. And if you have experienced these before in your life, then you can take a seat, okay? Now, let me, let me set the scene for you a little bit. So, you have to excuse me. Got a bit of a cough. Okay, uh, here's the situation, right? So, I'm a well-meaning Christian brother, and over here is, uh, is my friend Bob. This is Bob. Hi. So, uh, Bob, standing over here, I come up to Bob. Hey, Bob, how's it going? Bob says, yeah, look, it's, it's not been great. Uh, yesterday, my hamster ran away. I've, I've had him for over 10 years, and, and now he's gone. And, uh, and so, I was so upset that last night, I actually sat down on the couch with a tub of ice cream, brand new fresh tub, like chocolate mint. Anyway, peeled the lid off that thing, got into it. And um, I decided I was going to go to bed then and realized the next morning that I left the tub of ice cream on the bench. Now that ice cream is done. And, uh, and then to top it all off, lunch break today, I dropped my phone in the toilet. So, mate, life isn't good right now. So Blaine comes over, put his arms around the shoulder and says, are you ready? Everything happens for a reason, Bob. If you've heard this before or you've experienced it before, you can take a seat. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to carry on. Okay, we'll just play this scenario out a little bit more. Okay, what about, uh, what, about, what about this one? God helps them who helps themselves. So that one's probably a little bit more American. You've got to say that with a really hick American accent. It's grammatically incorrect and it's totally not in the Bible. Okay, what about this one? Whenever God closes a door, somewhere he opens a window. So that one was brought to us by the lovely Julie Andrews from Sound of Music. It's not in the Bible. And um, somebody did point out to me once that uh, this statement is not particularly helpful for you if you are on the 14th floor. Um, so this is the one, this is actually the one that I'm going to spend a little bit of time talking about. God will never give you more than you can handle. Hmm. Okay. Tom's still standing. I think Nguyen's still standing. Oh, no, no. Okay. Sweet. All right. So this is actually the statement that I'm just going to spend a little bit of time talking about here tonight. God won't give you more than you can handle. Um, because if I'm being honest, I think this statement has sunk really deep into Christian culture, into how we see ourselves, how we see God, and how we see hard times. Um, and I don't think it's the most helpful possibly even the most accurate, and I guess I've got to try and convince you of that now. Um, but, okay, so we'll start off, where did this thing even come from? God will never give you more than you can handle. So, it comes from, I believe anyway, it's actually a misquote of a verse in First uh, in Corinthians, chapter 10, verse 13. It says this, it's Paul speaking again, we're going to hear a lot of Paul tonight. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted... He will also provide a way out. I believe that's where that statement comes from, right? 
So the problem is, though, that statement, God will never give you more than you can handle, I think it actually creates two very big problems. One of them is very apparent, one of them is very subtle. First problem is that that statement, it just isn't true. God will never give you more than you can handle. The reason I can say that with so much confidence is because all through the Bible, which is effectively God's story of Him working through humanity, all through that story, there are people who are in way over their head with way more than they can handle. You think about the story of Moses, the story of Gideon, the story of Esther, the story of... There are so many, and I don't have time to go into them all, but because we're on Paul, I'm going to use Paul's language here in a little bit. This is what Paul says about what his life has consisted of. Again, he's looking back over some of the stuff he's been through. It says in, uh, in 2 Corinthians, literally just a chapter before the one that we read right at the start here tonight, it says, five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. That's way more than I can handle already. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, on the seas. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. This is just a snapshot of Paul's life. That's way more than anyone should be able to handle. And the funny thing is, Paul, the point that he's making in all that is not that, yeah, I can handle a fair bit. I'm a pretty tough guy. I'm very resilient, as it were. No, he's literally saying, I could not do this were it not for God and his work in me. Actually, Jesus himself, in, uh, in the book of Mark, when Jesus is looking ahead, he's, he's in Jerusalem, he's looking ahead to what is uh, his crucifixion, a, a gory, horrific, challenging, like way beyond what we could imagine, kind of death. He thinks uh, he, he's in the garden, he's praying. In, in other gospels it says he's sweating blood at this point because he's grappling with, God, do I really need to do this? Because it is so horrible. It actually says in Mark chapter 14, that Jesus says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. God will never give you more than you can handle. It's not true. Time and time again, there is way more than we can handle that shows up. At least that's what the Bible, uh, at least that's what it, the story says in the Bible. Okay, so that's the first thing. It's not true. The second thing, and this is a bit more subtle, the second problem with this statement is that it... it can warp our perception of God, right? Because if that statement is true, God will never give you more than you can handle, it kind of paints God as, uh, as like a, a, an obsessed personal trainer who just kind of stands beside you while you're trying to belt out push-ups and he's just kind of piling weights on the back going, don't worry, you got this, keep going, you've got it. You just got to, uh, don't worry, I'm the only one who knows when you're, where your breaking point is. You just got to keep, you know, peddling it out right now. And again, from... What I read about the character of God in here, that's not what he's like. That's not what he's like. So I guess then the only question worth answering here tonight is, right, why would God allow us 
to experience more than we can handle. And if you're in a space tonight where you're like, I am in that winter season right now, you would not believe what is going on in my life, then I'm really hoping and praying that the answer to that question is encouraging for you. And if you're not, and your life is rosy right now, the reality is, and somebody much wiser than me said this, that you're either just coming out of a hard time, you're just about to go into a hard time, or you're right in the middle of it right now. So hopefully, this will, uh, this will hit you. So, okay, two, two big reasons. Two big reasons as to why God would allow us to experience more than we can handle. First one, so that we can depend on His presence. So we can learn to depend on His presence. I don't know about you. In good times, when the sun is shining, the road is clear, I know where I'm going in life, I know what I'm on about, it can be very, very easy to become indifferent towards God. It's not that you forget about Him entirely. It's not that um, you want to turn your back on Him at all. But it's just when everything's going well, how true is it that we can just, you know, let Him kind of fade to the, to the background? You know what I mean? Whereas when everything comes falling down and there are the family issues, there's, there's friends stuff, there's financial stuff, there's mental health stuff, there's physical health stuff all piling up at once around you, you are so aware of your need for God in that moment. You are crying out, you're reaching out, you're like, God, where are you? I need you in my life right now. Funnily enough, those can also be the times where you feel closest to God is through those, uh, through those hard times. So um, in a very, very literal story, uh, I'm just going to give you a bit of an illustration for this. So for me in my life, going back a few years, um, I was part of like a multi-day trek through the southwestern wilderness of Tasmania around Mount Anne, Lake Pedder. It's beautiful up there. This was at summertime. It was the end of the university year. I had a whole few months of holidays to look forward to. Life was really good. And uh, we had climbed up into um, the wilderness area, into, in and around the mountains. The views were amazing. The weather was actually really good. Uh, it was hard yakka, but at that point in time, my life was so rosy that I wasn't exactly, like, God wasn't in the forefront of my mind. I'm enjoying all that he's made, and I'm like, wow, God, you've made some really cool stuff here. But I'm there with my friends, and I'm there, you know, we're talking about life, and we're just having a good time. So our final day rocks up. We wake up. It's a beautiful morning. And um, you know that morning uh, classical music piece, the da-da-da-da-da-da-da, that song is, like, in my head. And, uh, and we all pose for a photo outside the mountain. Sorry I don't have the photo with me. I should have thought of that. But... Uh, we're all ready to go. Beautiful, clear skies. We come down from the mountain, and uh, there's really only a little bit of, like, flat, probably for about 10 k's or so, that's between us and the car park, and more importantly, a big Macca's dinner box um, for us at the end. So, uh, so we were pretty motivated, um, especially myself, a friend, and another guy who was woefully equipped for this particular trip. Uh, he'd spent the last three days being sick, hardly eating anything, not telling us he was gluten intolerant, and he bought, the only thing he brought was a Qantas blanket to keep him warm in the mountains. What was he thinking? I don't know, he was American. Anyway, the point was that, <laughs> the point was that we came down out of the mountain and a strategic decision was made. That was that most of the group wanted to go and uh, take a quick dip in one of the lakes because the lakes are beautiful and we all stank. And, uh, and so they decided they were going to go do that. 
And me being a nice guy and my other friend who was also a nice guy decided let's try and just help this guy stick it out and, uh, and get him to the car park. And once we get there, we might be able to have a nap or something. So we made this decision um, that once we got to this lake, we, the three of us, were going to try and make it for the car park. And, uh, and the other guys were, were going to take a, a bit of a detour. Well, folks, unfortunately, none of us were very good navigators and we got hopelessly lost. We did glance the map one time and the leader of our journey was like, this is where you need to go, this is where the track is, you'll know it because this rock, this tree, whatever. And uh, the point was, we did get hopelessly lost. And um, at one point, the scrub was so thick where we were at that we used the American as like a battering ram to try and get through the, the scrub. It was, um, yeah, anyway. We decided our best shot, after we realized we were really lost and we couldn't find the path again, we decided our best shot was going to be to go down to the valley, into the river, and just wade along the river until the bridge crossed over where the car park was, because we knew we'd seen that on the map. We're like, if we just follow that river long enough, we'll get to the bridge, we'll climb out, and there's the car park. So that's what we did. We got our stuff kind of hooked up a bit higher on our shoulders, and we went into the river. It's about waist deep. Middle of summer, it was all right, really. Um, but for the next three, no, four hours, we're just trudging through this river. And at this point, we're going, the group has no idea where we are. We have no form of communication with them. We have next to no food, because it's our last day. And maybe between three of us, we might have enough for kind of a shelter sort of tent thing. But the scrub on both sides of this river valley was so thick, we didn't really know we were, where we were gonna park for the night anyway. So I can guarantee you, that from a literal mountaintop experience where God is kind of somewhere in the background of my mind to now we are trudging through this river valley with stuff on our backs. Conversation ran out after about an hour and for the next three hours, our prayer lives just went woof. You know, we are, we are talking with God about everything. Uh, you know, our lives, we're talking about, will we make it out of this? Are we going to be those guys on the news? Like, how long is it going to take? And uh, anyway... The short version of the story was that we did get found, so we're still here, and uh, we, we had some leeches in there, and anyway, there's some other details that I'll probably leave out because it's not that relevant, but my point is that there was so much uh, awareness of God in each of our lives in that moment that I don't think would have happened if we had just you know, trekked through that last, um, those last 10 Ks uh, without, any, without any problems or hiccups. So the thing is, I think in, even in life, like in life itself, when the winter season hits, when the struggle comes, I think I would, and I can honestly say this, I think I would rather, um, I would rather be up against all of that friction. I would rather be up against those hard times. I would rather be hurting and feel close to God than be on that mountaintop and sort of just gradually forget about Him or be indifferent to Him. And uh, the other thing that I know is true is that um, God's presence, like God's presence in your life, in your circumstances, it's not like God gets any closer or further away no matter what's going on. He's always there. It's just that our awareness of him with us seems to be so much closer when we know we need him as opposed to when things are uh, when things are always going our way
um, ultimately it comes back to who God says he is. What is God's character? Um, in Psalm 145, it says this, The Lord is righteous in all his ways, and he's faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. So, to any and all of you who are going through a hard time right now, or you're walking alongside somebody who has been, why would God allow us to experience more than we can handle? Sometimes, sometimes, I believe it's so that we would be drawn to his presence and that we would remember, remember his character, his goodness, that he is near to us when we call on him. And there's this really famous psalm that, uh, that we talked about as a youth team on Friday night just before we started, Psalm 23. No matter what your background is, you've probably heard about it. The Lord is my shepherd, that psalm. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because I know you're with me. All right, so that's reason number one. Reason number two, I believe that sometimes God will allow us to experience more than we can handle so that we can experience his power in our lives. Um, and again, to try and illustrate this, I'm going to reach out to all of my, uh, my brothers, men. Let me know if this is your experience. I checked with some of you before I preached this at the 10 a.m. service, and you said yes, so I'm going to go with it. And that is that, guys, when we have a job to do where it involves getting a bunch of stuff from one place and transporting it to another place, the golden rule is one trip. Yeah. Run One trip, right? So <laughs> that leads to... Uh, in my case, anyway, groceries, right? Groceries coming out of the back of the car. You try and pick them all up at once, and you try and grab as many of those plastic bags as you can, which is not easy because plastic bags are getting bigger these days. So you're like, you're stacking them up, and then you're like, for me, I'm making my way up the stairs to the front door. I get to the front door and realize, huh, my key's in the back pocket. So now you're doing this weird contortionist act where you're trying to balance everything because putting bags down is admitting defeat. So you've got to reach... <laughs> You've got to reach into your back pocket, you grab your key out, and you're like trying to you know, open the door, and then you're like holding everything, and the tissues go, and then the cereal goes, and then you eventually get to the bench and realize you've got a bit of a trail, but it doesn't matter, you won. One trip. <laughs> the thing is, I feel like this is like a perfect picture sometimes of how we treat the problems and situations that come in our lives, especially if we've been fed those, you know, like, oh, be resilient, you can handle it, God will never give you more than you can handle, then you've got this idea in your head that, oh, I, I know I can do it, I've just got to dig down deep and just get it done, right? So we end up, like, in all kinds of weird positions we were never designed to be in, trying to work this thing out. The reality is, is that we're actually designed, we're created to need God. We're created to need God. The reason, um, the reason that we can try and hang on so hard, the reason that it can feel so rough in that winter season might be actually because we're the ones trying to hold on to it in our own strength. We're the ones trying to muscle it out when we were actually created to need God. And this is where we come right back around to that passage where Paul is talking about his thorn in the flesh. Let's just pick that up from um, verse 9. It says, and again, Paul talking here. Uh, let's see. Three times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best 
in weakness. Pause there for a second. This thorn in the flesh, this thorn in the flesh that Paul had, nobody really knows what that is. Biblical scholars have been over it for years. They can't figure it out. Clearly, Paul didn't want to tell us. But whatever it was, was so significant in Paul's life that he had three significant seasons, winter seasons, if you will, of him saying, God, can you fix this? God, can you remove this? God, can you heal this? And yet, it seems that it was not removed. He still had that thorn in the flesh. Each time, he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So this is Paul's response. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul realized this this golden truth of humanity that you and I were created to need God. It's actually really humbling when you think about it, that you ain't all that. You can't handle all that necessarily all the time. That there's actually like a gap in us as people that only God's power can reach in and work through. We're all going to face a a thorn in our lives. Whether it's like a temporary struggle, whether it's something that persists for years, some people I've talked to, it's been, uh, it's been a physical healing that they are waiting on God to see. For some others, it might be mental. For some others, it might be a relationship that they're waiting for it to be reconciled. There is going to be a thorn in the flesh. And I think those of us in the room, I would say I, I, my life experience isn't even there yet. But for those who are older in the room, you would probably know this to be true more than some of us. But the truth is, when I have the least to bring, that's when God's power works best. There's literally that space within us where we were never designed to be able to handle it. God actually invites us to open that space up to Him and to say, let me reach down and work through that weakness. I don't know whether you'd be able to get to the point where you could say, I, uh, I'm going to boast in my weaknesses. But I do think that no matter what your thorn in the flesh is, whether you're aware of it or not at this stage of life, that you would be able to say, when I am weak, then I am strong. Reality is that people are going to fail you at some point. Life is going to fail you. Uh, Christians, you know, very well-meaning, I'm sure, but even they will fail you at some point. The good news is that Jesus will never fail you. His literal promise to his disciples before he went into heaven was, I will never leave you or forsake you. So why would God allow you to experience more than you can handle? Maybe it's to draw you close to help you to learn to depend on his presence. Maybe it's to give you his supernatural power 
to work through you, to work through that weakness so that you can testify of God's goodness to others. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do with this? What am I going to do about this? (laughs) So literally, this isn't in my notes, but uh, just this afternoon when I was going back over this, um, I'm sitting at the kitchen table and the sun's coming through. It's like a beautiful afternoon, but all I can hear is... We have a we have a four week old baby at home, and uh, she's beautiful. But right now she's still figuring out her sleep schedule thing, and um, so it was like you know two three hours of like every five minutes or so, and uh, yeah, just you know Anna and I are exchanging looks and we're just like, oh, this is more than we can handle. Uh, okay, so that that is what it is. But what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? When we are coming up against challenges, when we're coming up against hard times, maybe you're right in the thick of one right now, there are two things. There are two things. We need to be able to look back and be grateful. And we need to be able to look forward and pray. At the end of the day, those are the only two things that you'll be able to do in that circumstance. Look back. The call here is to be grateful. When you're looking back, It's about remembering the character of God, who God says he is in here. If you need clarification on that, you just got to jump in and start getting to know our amazing God. Look back. See the ways that he has worked in your life. Remember who he is. So many of the Psalms conclude with the writer of the Psalms saying, But then I remember that you are God, you are my Lord, you are my strong tower, you're my defense, you're my rock. That's the kind of thing that we've got to look back and go, God, everything that I have seen leads me to believe that you are good, even if I'm not experiencing goodness right now. And we've also got to look ahead and pray. Never stop praying. Never stop praying for that miracle that you need. Never stop praying for that other person's miracle that they need. And also, never stop praying that the miracle of them experiencing God's presence in the thick of their struggle, don't ever stop praying. So looking back, being grateful, looking forward, and praying. When we do that, we look back, we're experiencing the hard times, we remind ourselves of God's goodness, and we pray for the, for the things that we want God to move in. That cycle strengthens our muscle called faith. Strengthens our faith muscle. As the band comes up, I'm going to read this last little passage of Scripture. And what we're going to do is, um, once I have read this passage and I quickly pray, we're going to have an opportunity to worship. And whatever space you find yourself in tonight, whether you're in that hard time, or if you know somebody who is, I'd really challenge you to do those two things during this next song. To look back, be reminded of who God is and what he's done in your life, and to look forward and pray, and to give him all the things that you are believing for, all the things that you are hoping for, that you are dreaming for. This is what it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. 
I think actually the version that's going to be up on the screen is slightly different to the one that I have here. I changed the phrasing last minute. Sorry, slide people. This is what it says. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. That's the hope that we have. That's what we're praying forward into. The reality that one day God is going to restore everything that was lost and bring healing in every area, but doesn't mean He is any less capable of doing it right in your moment right now. So would you stand with us? I'm going to pray. And then we have an opportunity to worship, to look back, to thank God, to look ahead and pray for all that He has done.